Uh, do you you want to talk about the Star Wars thing, right? Of course. The uh, comics? Yeah. Sure, yeah. We could do a whole other podcast on just Star Wars mm-hmm. questions. No. Boys and girls, your attention, please. Presenting a new exciting radio program, faster than an airplane, more powerful than a locomotive, impervious to bullets. Hello and welcome to The Thought Bubble, a podcast about comics and comics-adjacent culture. I'm Joanna Robinson. And I'm Dave Gonzalez. If you're just joining us for the first time, we're here to answer your questions about all things comics. Dave here is our so-called expert, and I'm your friendly neighborhood novice. But this podcast is meant for comics lovers of all levels. If Dave wants to go in-depth or spoilery about a particular answer, he'll do so in our advanced section that comes at the end of each episode with ample warning. So don't worry. If you have a question for us, please shoot us an email at bubbleyourthoughts at gmail.com. You can find all of our old episodes at fightinginthewarroom.com slash comics. So without further ado, let's get on with the show. It's Tuesday, January 27th, 2015, and this is issue number 11. We are going to get into some news as per usual before we get into our questions of the week, though you guys sent us some really great questions. But this very morning... The Fantastic Four trailer dropped, which sort of changed everyone's opinion, I think, of this project, which had people a little skeptical about it. Dave, Dave, was your mind changed by this this trailer that we saw this morning? Oh, it's nice to see some of it, but I don't know if my mind was changed. I'm not super worried about the Fantastic Four. I mean, I believe a certain degree of the rumor is that it's in peril, but only as much as you could believe that about any production, I don't think like they're not going to release it or anything like some people were frothing at the mouth and saying over the weekend. But um, I don't necessarily think that anything that I've said previously when we've talked about the Fantastic Four is wrong. It's definitely a version of these characters that are very different, despite what um, Josh Trank and Simon Kinberg said in a lengthy Collider interview that it was sort of like based off of everything from Kirby to the Ultimates, which sounds like nothing to me, but I'm sure there are enough visual callbacks uh, to make it good. But it does sound like Josh Trank is trying to make it a movie that stands on its own, which is always nice because uh, Kinberg other work on X-Men and Star Wars is very much the opposite. So, I don't know. It's interesting. It's It was much bluer and grayer than I was expecting, even though having <laughs> seen Chronicle, I should have been expecting that. Well, we know, I mean, I, 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 this rumor was probably already exploded, but there was the the rumor for a while that it was going to be found footage like Chronicle was, and there was none of that in the trailer. So, um, that's one thing. The other is... We got an email, actually, because we talked about the Fantastic Four last week and about why the films haven't worked so far and what they could do in future films to make them work. And we did get a, an email from listener Angus who said the the dynamic that they don't nail in the previous films is this idea of a family dynamic. It's impossible. Like, I really hate when people write, uh, you know, seven pages about a trailer unless it's Dave and the Star Wars trailer. But anyone else, like... Cut it out. Forget it. It's a trailer. You can't tell that much information from it. No? There was a Latveria dot, Joanna. A Latveria dot. Was it an Easter egg? Is Latveria existing? Are they just going to make it a weird server bank in, like, the Pirate Bay? Is it going to be, like, latveria.org? Do you want to talk about this in a way that makes sense to me? 
so that you're not speaking Greek to me or Latvian. So in the trailer, yeah. uh, Kate Mara's character is wearing the headset and working amongst computers, the whole bunch of maps things uh, flying around. And they pan over some computers, and there's a red dot on the map in the Eastern European place of Latveria, the fictional Marvel country that Doctor Doom rules. And on that frame, also with the red dot, well, it's more than a frame. On that shot with the red dot, there's a URL in the bottom left-hand corner, or that points, or it's an IP address that points to um, like a Latveria search results. So you just get all these pictures of Latveria maps and Doctor Doom and whatnot. I mean, that um, feels like an Easter egg, right? Definitely, but it's since there have been rumors that well, since there have been rumors that you know Doom is instead going to be some sort of hacker villain this time around. It's interesting to see Latveria pop up in an official context is all I'm saying. Okay. And <laughs> the hearing all these rumors that it might be like found footage and whatnot is because not a lot of people saw this production go down and the trailer sort of revealing that they're doing a negative zone sort of space uh, explains that. There's a lot of green screen yeah, work Yeah, there is a lot of green screen. Um, but what I was going to say, but, no, there's a dip. Okay. Here's what I mean. There's a difference between trying to extrapolate uh, comic book minutia, and I don't mean that in a bad way, like comic book minutia to extrapolate what the plot will be. That's one thing. That's like fun sort of down the rabbit hole detective work. But what I'm saying is you can't make a larger – I feel you cannot make a larger point about what a movie is going to be based on a trailer because you can cut a great trailer out of garbage and you can cut a garbage trailer out of something great. So – you know, I just don't think you can make you can say this is my reaction, these are my thoughts, these are my hopes, and that sort of thing. But to say the movie is definitely going to be about this because of the trailer, well, I, I don't respond well to that. Is in what I'm that saying. sense, this trailer didn't do anything for me that like four release stills couldn't have done. Right. So, meh. So, but but that being said, what I was going to say was to Angus's point about the fi- family dynamic, the fact that we got, I don't know if we got this in the first Fantastic Four film, I don't remember, but the fact that we have the characters as kids together uh, does sort of indicate that maybe they will try a little bit more to nail that this time. Oh, yeah. You see him playing around. Yeah. Johnny Storm throws a fireball at Sue Storm who yeah. blocks it with an invisibility thing. And I think she's smiling. I mean, I've only framed by framed it once, but uh. come on. <laughs> uh, if you were really dedicated, you would have done it at least five times by now, Dave. Come on now. Yeah. Well, you know, the day is long and full of terrors. <laughs> All right. So those are our reactions to the Fantastic Four trailer. If you guys saw anything... Uh, latveria wise or other that you want to talk about or or your other perceptions you can email us at bubble your thoughts at gmail.com the other we've got some casting news too really quickly first of all the cbs has found their supergirl we've talked a lot about supergirl and uh, now we know a little bit more about it they've cast i didn't write her name down but i know exactly who she is she played marley on glee and she was the girlfriend in whiplash so um Yes, I know her Glee character name, but not the actor's name. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> Wait, should I stall while you look it up? Because I certainly didn't pull it up either. Um, yeah, stall. You talk about it while I look this up. Oh, I think she's going to make a fine Supergirl. Uh, mostly because it's on CBS. I don't have any of the Ritter worries we had of slightness 
um, which I, I'm still a little bit worried about. AKA Jessica Jones is a tougher universe than CBS Supergirl is going to be. But, uh, you know, it looks like she could have a sort of bouncy CW set, set of problems and colorful foes. I'd be, <laughs> I'd be down for it. She fits into that mold. I like that the the word bouncy is very evocative there. Uh, so the actress's name is Melissa Benoist, and I believe that's how you pronounce her last name. And she's sort of famously a brunette, but she's already dyed her hair blonde. So don't worry if you are, you know, want that Helen Slater iconic Supergirl look, you're going to get it. Uh, the There was a little bit of like, you know, knee jerk Mary Sue reaction. And, and I'm guilty of this as well. The Hollywood Reporter wrote up the news presumably off of information they got from CBS where they had this really funky line about how she wears her hair back in a ponytail and wears glasses and doesn't think she's beautiful, but don't worry, she is beautiful or something. I mean, it was, it's, if you go to the Hollywood reporters, uh, you know, announcement of the, the casting, you'll, you'll find the passage in question. And it's just, it was so she's all that in a way that I can't, you can't do She's All That after Not Another Teen Movie. Like, you can't – you just can't do that plot anymore. So, you know. Anyway, that's that's my only uh, thought on that. I mean, I guess they, they're about to do it with Superman again. It's just glasses. No, there's a difference. No, no, no. There's a big difference between Clark Kent puts on some glasses and he's Clark Kent. It's not about how Clark Kent feels about how pretty he is and any of that like it like uh, an alter ego uh, that is disguised by hair pulled back in glasses that's one thing but like to tie up this whole like this is about her embracing her superpowers and seeing how pretty she actually is is very weird and off-putting to me well i mean it's going back to last week's discussion about how stereotypes manifest ugly we're talking about casting speak for the same thing i think no, but they were talking about plot, I think. Uh, yeah. Well, we'll we'll see about that. I would hope that the people writing Supergirl uh, know a little bit better than Hollywood Reporter and some casting agents. That's that's a fair point. If I can't extrapolate about a movie based off a trailer, I certainly shouldn't extrapolate about a show based off the Hollywood Reporter, reporter write-up of trade news. But- I think we should do both, is what I'm saying. <laughs> okay. And it's good because we did. All right. Um, and then the last bit of casting news we want to talk about, of course, since Dave and I are, you know, Game of Thrones fans, is the fact that Sophie Turner, uh, Sansa also Stark. Also mud, mud fans. Yeah. Yeah. We'll get we'll get to Ty Sheridan. Uh, Sophie Turner has been cast as Jean Grey. I didn't even have to Google his name. I know it. Uh, Sophie Turner has been cast as young Jean Grey in X-Men Apocalypse. And Ty Sheridan, uh, who is fantastic in mud, has been cast as Scott. Um aka cyclops and then we've got a young storm as well um and i don't that actress was like in the Aaliyah biopic i believe so um she, absolutely not seen her in yeah any sort of film i've before. never seen her in anything so you know but we'll I'm, learn her name when she gets there yeah I mean, but anyway ty sheridan sophie turner i'm excited but it i don't know it did spark this thought in me about whether or not playing a young Jean gray who is certainly going to be at, at the very least, fifth string in this movie, right? Because you've got McAvoy, Fassbender, Holt, and Lawrence are your four leads. 
and Quicksilver is already an established character and they've promised to give him an expanded role. You've got a, you know, you've got Apocalypse. Expanded role. This is Apocalypse. This is like the Thanos switch out of the X-Men universe. So like everybody, everybody's going to get in. But so what I'm saying is like, I'm not overly thrilled about, I mean, if the franchise gets goes forward, the Jean Grey role may be expanded. Of course, Jean Grey is a very important character in the X-Men universe. But what I'm saying is if we're taking Days of Future Past as an indicator, you know, Ellen Page gets 10 minutes of screen time. Like, I'm not hugely optimistic for what Sophie Turner is going to be doing in this movie. I'm, I am into the casting, but I'm not expecting to see a lot from her uh, in this next movie. I would say if you're going to take any superhero franchise and have a character in that franchise and want to pop up in multiple movies, X-Men is the franchise to do that. Even when they rebooted it, they brought the old people back. So, like, as long as Jean Grey and Scott are there, like, these people have the potential to age into a better Dark Phoenix movie if they want or they could just, you know, hang around and be young while we say our long goodbye to Hugh Jackman and then get paired with new Hugh Jackman and have a sort of other X team. There's all these weird and then like, oh man, we could get into X Force, which has cable, and then like have like Scott and Gene have a child that ends up being like you could you could take this way down the rabbit hole. <laughs> if these performances end up being as good as they have the potential to be. Right. Because we like both of these actors. They're quite capable. Um, and, you know, who knows? They could have big roles in a Gambit movie or something. I don't yeah. I don't know. I, so. I wouldn't expect them to have huge arcs in this movie. Exactly. But I would hope that they have at least some breakout moments that show the promise because this is supposed to be like the end out of the trilogy with McAvoy, uh, Jennifer Lawrence and uh, uh, Fassbender. Yeah. So, like, the next group that comes up... Oh, and whoever's playing Beast, whatever. Nicholas Holt. Nicholas Holt. Poor (laughs) Nicholas Holt. Always the least important member of a movie. (laughs) Um, But, yeah... the, the this next team is he is the boy and about a boy. You cannot say that about poor Nicholas Holt. He's the titular boy and about a boy. Come on. All right. Anyway, what isn't the Hugh Jackman movie? The Hugh Grant movie. Great Hugh Grant movie. <laughs> See, this is I'm on the wrong podcast. But point being, still like not the most important person in that movie. Okay, fair enough. Um, is there anything else we want to talk about these these little X Men babies? Um, uh, I'm hoping for a portrayal of Jean Grey that's closer to the all-new X-Men portrayal of Jean Grey, and I would love it if in this movie she had a moment with Wolverine that acknowledged there was some futzing with the time continuum. Uh, What is that portrayal like? Um, All-new X-Men is a launched with marvel now about a year and a half ago i think um but because of a rip in the space-time continuum uh young the first team of x-men young beast angel gene gray and uh cyclops come forward in time and meet their modern counterparts and decide to stay 
uh, especially because it kind of sort of hinges on Jean psychologically that she realizes that she's like becomes this Phoenix force. It's horrible. And she causes all this pain to everybody around her. So they get stranded in the future. And so now there's a young Jean Grey and an old crazy Jean Grey uh, in the X-Men universe. Interesting. Right. Yeah. But like the for, the young girl dealing with the weight of being the basically most powerful psychic heir to the Professor X throne is a much more interesting portrayal than Famke Jansen was allowed with that rudimentary understanding of what the X-Men were. <laughs> rudimentary understanding. Oh, it's like the most snobby you've ever been. I love it. Okay. <laughs> yeah, well, that's what it is. But I liked I liked that you gave, I mean, like, let's give Famke Jansen her due. It's not her fault, right? I don't think Xenia you- on a top never does anything wrong. <laughs> There you go. Um, all right. So now we're going to get into our first question, which also has to do with some uh, comic book news that broke this week, which is that David Tennant has been cast in the AKA Jessica Jones. That's the name of the show, right? Yes. Uh, part of the Defenders uh, quadrilogy on uh, Netflix. So this is Jeremiah from Boston, and he writes, I'm really looking forward to this Defenders series on Netflix, even though I don't really know much about these characters outside of Daredevil. Even though I've never watched Doctor Who, I'm looking forward to David Tennant's casting because I'm aware of fandom surrounding him, especially from Joanna. Uh, I've been following news about Daredevil and all indications point to it being very gritty and realistic. And I remember it being described more as a detective show than a superhero show. With that being said, how is Jessica Jones going to fit into that universe considering that she actually has superpowers and so do her villains? Is this show going to skew into the territory where David Tennant will actually be purple or will this be an arrow situation where powers are turned down somewhat? Uh, I'm going to answer just really quickly. First of all, Thank you for noticing my love for David Tennant. I hope that everyone <laughs> understands how important he for, is to first me. First of all, <laughs> let's start with the important let's thing. Let's talk about me and my love yes. for David Tennant. Um, <laughs> but also, I, I wanted to talk about this idea that that Dave has introduced in terms of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, which is to seed superpowers into something to get an audience accustomed to something. And I think that it's smart then to start with Daredevil, who does, I mean, I I think that there are different iterations where either he does have superpowers or he's just trained very well in martial arts and his heights or height senses are heightened. Like sometimes, right. Sometimes it's toxic ooze and then sometimes it's not. Is that right with Daredevil? Uh, Or is it always toxic ooze? It's mostly always toxic ooze. Okay. <laughs> so anyway, Daredevil will have powers. Uh, but Oh, he will have toxic ooze powers. Yeah, he'll have toxic ooze powers, but they'll be a little bit more. When there's a, There was a set video leaked of like a little kid in the street going like, my eyes. And I think I watched it on loop <laughs> like five times because it was hilarious. Oh, but, no. yeah, we'll, we'll be seeing that. Oh, no. All right. So... Um... <laughs> But but that being said, you know, are we going to see a kingpin with, you know, something on his forehead or are we going to wait to get a little funkier in kingpin a with something on his forehead? Oh, no, bullseye. That's bullseye. Sorry. Yeah, we won't be seeing that. But I wasn't really interested in what you thought the kingpin was for a while. No, you, you're you're assuming that I know more than I do, which is Got it. Obvi- right. obviously yeah. very little. But uh, with Jessica Jones. Okay. So maybe we'll wait before, but I, yes, I believe that David Tennant will be purple is my answer. Dave, yes. 
what do you I have to say? I also agree. I think David Tennant <laughs> will be purple. Um, I think we're just getting more indications that uh, the Netflix series might as well be Brian Michael Bendis uh, dedicated. Uh, so any line that he worked on, I would look to see storylines pulled from, especially I think the first season of AKA Jessica Jones is going to be alias with a lot of the flashbacks and the pregnancy intact. I don't know if that's a spoiler or not. It's a kind of big part of her character. Kind of. Um, <laughs> and if that happens, then uh, I, I won't, I won't spoil who the father is. How about that? There you go. Um, if that happens, then I would expect Purple Man to show up very much like he is an alias, and I would hope even to a certain degree as meta as he is an alias. But I think that that's how you kind of close out the season. And you you even have a nice little, in his appearance in the latter issues of Alias. First of all, he ends Alias as a comic, which would be a great place to end the season because then you could do, if there is a second season of these Netflix shows, you could sort of combine... Uh, a couple shows into something like The Pulse, which is where Jessica Jones pops up again. But that's neither here nor there, except maybe there if we talk about Squirrel Squirrel (laughs) Girl later in this episode. Which we will. But I just kind of like this idea that they're sort of committing these Bendis storylines. We know uh, Daredevil's going to be like sort of the Wilson Fisk rise uh, with the sort of lesser costumed Daredevil. And so I think think we sort of know how these are going to shake out. They're like kind of crime... I would say noir based on like Bendis' work on powers, but I don't know if that's going to transfer to TV, although I have heard that a lot of the Daredevil footage is very, very dark. Right, you said this before, literally dark. Literally dark. Literally. When I say noir, it's not alluding. Literally, like they're trying to make us feel as as, as blind as Daredevil. (laughs) Well, he has that black costume (laughs) and like, yeah, I think it's going to be a gritty universe. I don't think it's going to get quite as in... Uh, to crazy, uh, I guess, like, sex and violence as alias. But I would expect to have a very creepy David Tennant, and I think that his portrayal being super purple and doing the stuff that he does in that storyline uh, is actually going to be terrifying. Right. So, you know, I got very excited about this, and then um, people were quick to assure me that I would be very upset to see David Tennant in this role. Um, I'm not afraid of David Tennant being creepy. People keep trying to make me afraid. I'm not afraid. But I do think my favorite description of of the character, Kilgrave, that, that uh, popped up on my Twitter feed was someone called him Nerd Hitler, which I love. <laughs> so that's how I want to refer to him from now on, which is Nerd Hitler. But um, yeah, I, I love David Tennant. Okay, we talked a little bit about this off air and I want to talk about it on air though really quickly, even though it's not comic book related Mm -hmm. which is is your favorite dr matt smith is that what we've talked about that before but yes but only because you sort of commit to your first yeah yeah and so like i've seen all the ten episodes and i agree he's fine but it's like no he's amazing and brilliant but he was also my first doctor so i understand yeah we're just (laughs) having a showdown of first doctors we're (laughs) incapable of bringing actual arguments this conversation (laughs) Yeah, I watched how I got into Doctor Who is I watched scattered tenant episodes like one Christmas on on BBC America and then I decided to start from the beginning of New Who so I went back to Eccleston. So I very you know, but I but they they got me hooked with Tenet and he is the doctor to me. So As a comic book fan, I am actually a big Matt Smith 
crazy timeline continuity screw with oh like thing person fan so like the pandorica opens is like yeah. hey this is this is perfect for me this is what doctor who should be the thing i like about doctor who is it's like a comic book in the sense that the rules only exist for the show that you're watching it in and sometimes not even that depending on your doctor um that makes sense to me that you would like the matt smith stuff yeah i mean it's i'm not like throwing david Tennant down it's just i'm incapable i think you have such like a marking of your first doctor this is why i don't argue with old people about doctor who um i know that you're not talking about me um no i know you mean old old people i mean people that i can't even like (laughs) pre-eccleson that's my doctor i'm like yeah whatever (laughs) i was watching star trek like a normal person yeah, that's what Neil Gaiman, when I saw him on a panel once, and he was talking about his doctor, and I was like, I have no context for what you're talking about at all. Boo, uh, Neil Gaiman. But no, but he was talking about, it was his first doctor. He has the same thesis that you do. And, and I think most people agree that your first doctor is your doctor. You're imprinted a la Twilight mythology, so. Worst thought bubble ever. You're welcome. <laughs> okay, so... <laughs> This next question comes from a listener named Huey, and he said, just read the first canon Star Wars comic by Marvel. Loved it. What eras would you like to see Marvel explore? I would love to see Old Republic and post-Return of the Jedi stories. Do you think we will see these areas uh, eras explored in the comics or novels? Thanks. Love the show. So worst episode ever into, turned quickly into Dave's favorite episode ever. So you can talk about Star Wars. Go <laughs> I to, do like talking about Star Wars. Go to town. Um, I think we're going to see a lot of uh, post-Star Wars and New Hope stuff. I'm definitely part of the movement to reclaim A New Hope as Star Wars. If we're like getting rid of the episodes, like, come on, stop calling it A New Hope. It's Star Wars. So from here on out, I'm usually referring to the movie. Uh, because you want, like, your Han, Luke, and Leia adventures from, like, that keen era that you sort of love them from with, like, even the outdated haircuts aside. That's that's the the Han, Luke, and Leia that that you want. So um, I don't think they're gonna necessarily be connected to the new movies, except for like tiny Easter egg uh, shoutouts. They're now gonna be filling the gaps um, that used to be occupied by things in the expanded universe, which was entirely deleted by Disney when they purchased Lucasfilm. They basically said that only the six movies in the Clone Wars TV series existed. There's since been some more novels added to that, and of course, Star Wars Rebels. But all of these things are filling in gaps that we used to know what happened back when we didn't know the overarching story we were telling. Now that we know, uh, these uh, comics are going to start uh, plugging the gaps. So I think up until we have uh, episode seven coming out and sort of defining the post-original trilogy world for us, you're going to see the comics not go any farther than Return of the Jedi, with the exception of prequel comics, which is uh, something that's in vogue, and I would definitely guarantee... No, no, that sounds way too sure of myself. I would suspect is happening, and I would suspect announcements around the September area, uh, just so we could lead up with a story arc that's going to propel the certain level of comic nerds who aren't seeing Star Wars, and I have no idea who those are, into uh, Episode Seven come uh, December. The sad thing is that because they're going to start pushing forward so soon, um, as somebody who like lights Knights of the Old Republic and the Old Republic era, I don't think that's going to be 
revisited any time in the near future. Uh, the one time that may happen is after we get past this whole redefinition of the Force, because so much of the Old Republic was conceptualized and created during the time of the prequels. They sort of use the same idea of like the Force as these superpowers, and for everything that I've heard about the new Star Wars and post-Awakening Force is it's going to return to like a much more mysterious concept, sort of like it was in the original trilogy. So I think we'll be getting post-Return of the Jedi stories um, just after The Force Awakens so we could fill in some of those gaps. But comics are going to be a great way to fill in all the gaps with the stars we can't use. So like even though they might try like a young Han Solo for a new mo- solo movie, the like Han Solo that everyone recognizes is going to be in the comics and was in Star Wars number one. So we're, we're on our way. Interesting. All right. Is it now the best episode of Thought Bubble ever? I mean, it's it's regained Are its you possibility of being that. Are you ready? This question yeah. comes from Adam from Oregon. And he says, so now that Marvel has basically announced that they're doing their own version of an infinite crisis and rebooting slash combining their 616, uh, 1610, among other universes, do you think it'll pay off in the same way it did for DC? Do you think they'll learn from DC's mistakes or make new ones of their own? Oh, I thought this was about Secret Wars, but it's not. It's about infinite crisis, right? Ha <laughs> ha. Well, I mean... It, it, No, it is about Secret Wars. Okay. Well, I really like Miles and Jessica Drew of the 1610 universe. I kind of like them on their own, in their own universe. I, and I fear only Miles would make it into the new timeline. Do you think many duplicate characters will survive the transition or is this Highlander Marvel style? Um, so Dave, talk us through what Adam is asking, first of all, Mm -hmm. and second of all, what that means in terms of Infinite Crisis, Secret Wars, et cetera. So Marvel has announced that their big summer crossover event is going to be called Secret Wars and that this will involve the smashing together of several Marvel universes into a battle world and whoever emerges from that battle world will be the new canonical version of the Marvel Universe. The reason people are talking about this as an infinite crisis is way tied up in history. I'll try to make it as brief as possible. So Mattel realized that DC was selling a whole bunch of action figures of their heroes and wanted to get in on it, and they had a deal with Marvel. So they talked to Marvel and said, hey, can you guys push some action figures through a big crossover event so we could use all these properties to make action figures under a single line? And Marvel said, sure. And they did some market testing, and they realized the word secret and the word wars tested really well. So they decided to call it Secret Wars, in which was invented a character called the Beyonder, who made this battle world by squishing parts of the Marvel Universe together and then separated the heroes into two teams, heroes and villains, and forced them to fight each other. There have since been other Secret Wars, but none of them have really followed that plot line, nor have any of them been very good, except maybe the one with Nick Fury that... uh, I guess Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is starting to pull from, but definitely not Secret Wars 2 that had a really lame version of the Beyonder. So now we're coming up on the new Secret Wars. Uh, They've been building to it in the comics for over a year. I'm going to say everything that Jonathan Hickman has written since uh, the Infinity crossover event has been tangentially connected. Um, The thing I was talking about with X-Men earlier is also connected basically the marvel universe through multiple crossovers like miles morales meeting peter parker and uh toying with the fabric of reality has sort of broke 
the entire concept of reality. So there's tears in the space-time continuum, and people are ending up with or not, and the Illuminati, who are the secret group of the Avengers that deal with the um, biggest decisions, um, have discovered that worlds where multi-dimensional worlds are colliding, and the only way they could preserve the main world, which is called Marvel 610 Worlds in continuity, is by destroying other worlds. So this has been escalating for about a year. Everyone's completely guilt-ridden about it. Black Panther just killed Namor over it. Uh, oh, yeah, so I guess that's been going since Avengers vs. X-Men. It's been going on for years and years. But because Marvel's also been doing this thing with the cinematic universe that they're already planning to make a whole bunch more complicated and they want people to be able to jump into the comics and not necessarily have these multi-year arcs of all these people being folded in together, they're going to do one huge battle world and come out the other side with only elements they want to use moving forward. So it's DC's version of Infinite Crisis where they righted all of their different timelines, uh, but Marvel's going to try to pull it off with this big crossover event, which is going to be interesting because it's going to result in definitely multiple Spider-Men, which is what our reader is alluding to. Miles Morales, the ultimate Spider-Man, this 13 black, uh, black Hispanic from Brooklyn. Uh, he's going to probably be massaged into the main universe because his universe, the quote-unquote ultimate universe, is ending. So Marvel's taking all its multiverse and making it one world, and I don't think it's going to be Highlander, there can only be one, because there's already multiples everything. So, like, I don't think, I don't know, there's, like, you don't think Peter Hulks, Par- You don't think Hulks. Peter Parker has to die for Miles Morales to live in this new universe? I don't think there has to be one Peter Parker as a fan of the Clone Wars uh, series. They've definitely teased two that will be part of Secret Wars. The original Secret Wars black-suited Peter Parker and the... Um, pre-brand new day or one last day the peter parker that is married to mary jane and has a child they'll both be appearing um which one survives maybe both of them see i wouldn't and miles be, morales but see you know coming from a complete of a place of you know complete ignorance about this obviously i wouldn't be surprised if the reason they're doing this is so that they can be more in lockstep with the mcu right and so doesn't it make sense then to have just one spider-man one uh, you know miss marvel one uh, you know whatever it, it may be so that you're not trying to go to the comic book store and buy a captain america book that doesn't have the captain america that's currently on screen portrayed mm. by chris evans or whoever it's going to be in future no, because you can't undo the history of it, and you can't keep current readers on by doing a hard reboot, or necessarily you can if you the new 52 with certain titles, but that's a risky proposition. What Marvel's doing is basically putting a huge period that's like, hey, if you're new, come in here, there'll be recognizable characters, they'll have some history, but we get to call that history and retcon it as we go, because anything post-Battle World is, you know whatever i have no idea how they're going to deal with the history probably some weird comic book way okay then oh sorry i mean we'll also have things like there'll only be one nick fury and he'll probably be black but i mean so rather than going okay then rather than going lockstep with a film what it is is a is a grab for film goers and tv watchers who aren't comic readers to be like hey if you're going to start the crack now 
the crack we're selling right now is really good crack, really accessible, really good crack to get you hooked. Well, it's more like saying to people, hey, there's a huge thing that's changing everything. Now's a good place to jump on. But comic books are always playing the new readers in the same way, much like Origins are just rolling updated. It's like, you know, what if someone's a war veteran and they've been a character in Marvel Comics long enough, they've been a veteran of like three different wars. Right. Just because that's how the character moves up. Like we're always... 10 years out of Spider-Man, you know, being Spider-Man um, for the first time. Like, Spider-Man doesn't really get over the age of, like, 32 ever. Uh, so it's this sort of thing's always happening. This is just a huge event to pull people in and hopefully keep people around and probably bring things more in line with the way they are on screen. Okay, interesting. Well, uh, and you're going to keep us updated on... Oh, if we... <laughs> If you guys want me to, I will be on it. Man, maybe maybe we'll so do many like teasers. We could just do backgrounds about what's going to happen. No, 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 no. I'm saying more like you should be our our reporter in terms of every week as the Secret Wars go on. Every week you can report the casualties. You can be like the canon in Hunger Games to bring it back to that earlier lower Twilight tone that I was achieving earlier. Oh yeah, um, there have been a lot of people covering Spider Verse like that on Tumblr that I've really enjoyed reading. It's like this week in crazy Spider Verse cameos. Right, right. So yeah, I could totally, I could, I could try to Secret Wars that out. All right, we'll see. We'll... We want to book club it. <laughs> we might, we might. Um, all right, so now that Dave is feeling all high and mighty after talking about Star Wars and, and Secret Wars, we're going to uh. knock knock him down a peg or two. Uh, this comes from <laughs> – I'm just kidding. This comes from Neil from Utah, and he says, I had a minor correction about your discussion regarding the Red Hood on Gotham. Dave explain, Dave's explanation alluded to the fact that the Red Hood could only be the Joker, but this isn't exactly so. In the comic that Dave references, and in many other comics as well, they make a point of saying that the Red Hood is an idea or a trick. Specifically, in The Killing Joke, Dave's reference, the mobsters hiring the Joker to do a job explain that the Red Hood isn't one guy. It's lots of guys doing random jobs for the for the mob. The mob forces all these criminals for hire to wear the mask and trick the cops into the th- thinking that they're one individual person, when in fact, they're several people with very few connections to one another, decreasing their risk of getting caught, which means that they could easily do Red Hood on Gotham and never even touch the Joker. Lots of criminals over the years have worn the Red Hood and have used the name, which I think will play into the storylines of Gotham. The mask can be an ideal, and it doesn't matter who's under the mask as long as that person is standing for the same ideals, albeit the Red Hood has criminal motives. It's the same reason Diggle can wear Arrowhood and Dick Grayson can be Batman in Bruce's stead. And before um, Dave gets into graciously apologizing before throwing me under the bus on that one, um, I do want to say that that's a good reference to what happened on this week on Arrow, which is that, yeah, Diggle is is taking over for Oliver as Oliver is getting uh, coming back from the dead in the uh, in the Arctic, and um, and then we also have Laurel stepping into the Canary costume. So you know, just this idea that the superhero is more than just their alter ego, more than one person. Uh, you know, which goes. You mean the the speech at the end of the Dark Knight. Sure, the speech at the end of the Dark Knight. <laughs> Don't try to do something Gary Oldman already did perfectly. I wasn't trying to be okay. Fine. Anyway, what's your what's your response? You're just feeling petulant because 
Uh, no, I shouldn't. It's completely my fault. I know all these things about the Red Hood, and he's completely right. And the fact that the you know the Joker is the Red Hood is what connects him to Batman. Is Batman is you know like negative opposite in the sense that they both wore a symbol for a brief period of time, and then sort of became it, or it became them. Either way, you. Want to look at it, <clears throat> but yes, occasionally I get really excited and say things like they're true when really they're just things I'm thinking. And so uh, just keep 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 that in mind. I will try to you know source things when yeah, I'm I, going I, off of stuff. But yeah, no, this is all right. I think I was, Dave I got was really excited about the Red Hood because it seems like Gotham is totally the kind of show that's going to tease whoever is the Red Hood as a potential Joker because they need people to tune in because they see something recognizable but yes and you were saying last week that they're going to introduce several potential jokers so possibly this red hood could be one of the potential jokers but not definitively the joker right definitely yeah i think the producer you talked about it last week talking about the story said it perfectly which is like this introduces the whole you know costume and cowl aspect of of the show and if that's just how they're using it that's great. I should have left it at that. But I had a lot more thoughts that I got too excited <laughs> about. I apologize. Well, also, in the, in the throw me under the bus part is I did spring that uh, question on Dave. I didn't let him do his research. So I think if you listen, that is very obvious. <laughs> All right. Uh, this next question comes from Scott. And he says, hey, guys, love the show. I was wondering if you have checked out Unbeatable Squirrel Girl by Ryan, Ryan North with art by Erica Henderson. It's a super fun girl-geared comic by Marvel. And although it's only one issue, uh, it's off to an amazing start. If you're unfamiliar with Squirrel, Squirrel Girl, wow, apparently I cannot say that those two words together. She was a character created by Steve Ditko and Will Murray as kind of a joke that would beat villains considered out of her league like Dr. Doom and Thanos, the joke being that she's such an inherently silly character. What's fun about Squirrel Girl is it takes cynical concept and says, sure, why not? Why can't this girl who is not serious like Wolverine or defined by tragedy like super, like Spider-Man still be an effective crime fighter and terrify criminals? I hope I haven't sounded like too much of a jerk in explaining it, but this comic is truly something we're supporting because of its positive nature. Just in case you have read it all at already let's get super ahead of ourselves and pick who would be a great squirrel girl if it ever got adopted adapted for the big screen my choice is lena dunham again you guys are great and i love what you're doing uh, <laughs> <laughs> lena dunham oh that would that would break a lot of things if that were to happen uh dave you have some informed reaction here I do. I read Squirrel Girl. A matter of fact, that was it was a couple number ones released that day. Ant Man and one among them, and I was like, the only one that matters here is Squirrel Girl. So I picked <laughs> it up, read it instantly. Loved that it has a secret message across the bottom of the pages. So if you didn't notice that, go back and pick up your copy. But yeah, it was really fun. I like the Marvel titles that don't take themselves too seriously off off the top uh, of of their heads. Uh, I'm trying to think about. We had one second. We had an email from Todd Thompson a few weeks ago who really liked the Superior Foes of Spider-Man limited series and was wondering if there were other A or B or B or C list characters. Mm-hmm. I would definitely put Squirrel Girl up there, and I previously talked about Alias without saying that like that is good, and then the Pulse in which it's just about reporters, but like starts off with a Green Goblin Spider-Man storyline that will reel you in. But uh, yeah, I'm really 
psyched the way the first Squirrel issue uh, went off. I like the idea that she hides her secret identity by just stuffing her tail into like a big butt. And uh, that Craven showed up and like sort of didn't know who she was when learned really fast. Um, in terms of who I'd like to play her on screen, I'd like her to show up slightly older than she is in the comics. I would say in the Bria Grant range. Uh, for you Heroes fans that stuck around for the second season, she was the speedster. And uh, the point where she's a babysitter for some other heroes down the line, um, I think that, that would be a great time to introduce her. Uh, I don't think the MCU is uh, tongue-in-cheek enough to have Squirrel Girl punch Thanos in Infinity War, especially <laughs> since you know his grand plan has not involved him getting out of his chair thus far. But I would love for that to happen. Uh, but you know she could she could punch somebody strong down the down the line. That's my favorite thing is when Squirrel Girl punches people. They're like, "Who are you?" And then like she's like, "Hey Hulk!" Boom. That's the greatest <laughs> thing. All right. And who would you cast to play Squirrel Girl? Bria Grant. Oh, oh, okay. Sorry, I fold that in my answer. I so thought. Well, I thought you were talking about a character, but you were talking about an actress. I was like, "How did they?" Okay, sorry. Gotcha. Great. Yeah. Good answer. Squirrel Girl, pick it up. If only for the secret message that Dave teased on the bottom of the pages. So, um, <laughs> This last question in the unadvanced question, uh, section, and then we have like a doozy in the advanced section. So I really recommend you stick around. Um, but this one's from Matthew from St. Louis. And he said, I had a question that I wanted to throw out there about the future of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Over the past few years, Marvel has rolled out this narrative behemoth that after 20 films and seven television series will culminate in Avengers Infinity War Part 2 in the summer of 2019. So my question is, what then? I'm just curious what you think Marvel's plans, if any, would or should look beyond that. Given the financial success of this mega franchise, I can't imagine that they would have any intention of ending the universe. But after the Avengers threat has run its course, where do they go? For me personally, Thanos has always felt like one of the biggest villains in the Marvel Universe. I mean, his goal is literally to extinguish all life in the universe. It seems like after that, anything else is going to feel like lowered stakes. How long do you think it would take before the films, like the comics, are facing an Ultimate Universe or New 52-style reboot? Would love to hear your thoughts, and thanks again for all the great work. Um, so... I have no answer to this. Dave. <laughs> oh, all right. Um, it's hard to know what, like, film and blockbuster trends are going to be that popular far into the future, but if we assume that interconnected franchise storytelling is going to continue, and basically everybody is betting on the fact that it is, including Star Wars, like we talked about, uh, previously in the episode, then we'll probably see more of the same, just in terms of the way serialized stories uh, work out. I mean, there's always going to be like a new giant crossover event and Infinity Wars every five years, like a heartbeat or something like that. And the only thing that's going to change is sort of what heroes we're latching onto. Iron Man, Captain America, and Thor are all, you know, t- wearing predominantly red and upstanding citizens. The Inhumans are going to be totally different from that. So tonally, they could do the same sort of formula and have a completely different uh, flavor for it uh, DC the comics is famous for the Infinity Crisis and like already they're like begging to just unify their TV and film universes with a crisis so if we see success 
and all this crossing over and we get to like 2019, I would definitely look for some huge crisis from DC to try to put a nail in Marvel any way they could find it. This is all assuming that all these movies do well. All it takes is like three of these to flop in a row and we're having a completely different conversation. But yeah, otherwise, um, Hollywood in general is going to try the recasting of characters you love uh, without acknowledging it. James Bonding, if you will. I will. Uh, yeah, okay, good. With uh, <laughs> young Han Solo and Indiana Jones and other non-Harrison Ford characters. And if those all work, then uh, you could sort of have a new Captain America come back in if the Inhumans are too weird and things like that. And uh, life will get much easier for the IPs that you love, the intellectual properties that you love. <laughs> but um, yeah, I don't know. The future seems to be just like comic books, which is this sort of cycle of things. I don't think there's a reboot in the future. I hope we're beyond that. But if not, they'll uh, they'll reboot it. I don't, I'm not worried about things like stakes, though, because there's so much comic history. And theoretically, each movie should have its own stakes that it lives and dies within. That's like there'll, there'll be an Infinity Gauntlet and a Thanos for every occasion. What I hope is that as we see more and more of these movies come about as a way of making them more sophisticated for a more sophisticated comic book audience. It's actually going to get easier, so we're not going to have to have long conversations about who that purple guy is turning around at the end of the Avengers. Uh, you could just sort of keep things contained and impactful, but we'll see how it, how, how it goes. Um, do you think that this franchise is too big to fail up through Infinity War Part Two? Like, if we have, if, you know, Doctor Strange and the Inhumans and a bunch of things flopped, Ant-Man, etc., but we're still going to get all the way through Infinity War Part 2, right? Mm, yes. For Disney, I would say yes, because Disney is the kind of company that will just keep throwing money at something if it has a glimmer of coming back. Okay. Um the only reason I would say don't hold too tightly to the Warner Brothers announced schedule oh, is yeah. that's much more susceptible to a flop, I feel, because like the only thing that's going to stop Disney and Marvel at this point is if like Age of Ultron and Episode 7 flop somehow, which is virtually impossible. So uh, there is, you can bet on the money. Uh, in terms of keeping a continuity going, because otherwise, if people something's failing, people say reboot just because they don't know any better. I don't think we're out of that that time period yet. Well, I mean, people get on my case a little bit for being so hard on the on the Warner Brothers franchise uh, because Fran there's one movie. Well, that's what I was about to say. Is like they have not proved themselves. They this whole plan of theirs is built on so much hubris. They made one movie that did quite well, but had a lot of detractors as well. And uh, and they've tried to spin this whole web based off of one film. Like, that's crazy boots. And so, uh, you know, I don't know. We'll, we'll see what happens. But I, I'm with you in that I'm... I'm skept I'm way more skeptical of the of the Mar of the WB franchise sustaining itself than I am of of Marvel because Marvel built themselves up first before yes. they spun themselves out, you know? Well, and but the thing is though, if the Warner Brothers DC plan works, it's going to instantly be capable of being competitive with Marvel even though they're 10 films behind, which is what everybody that over there is hoping for. Well, just because they have more recognizable superheroes, right? Well, that and they're rapidly populating their universe. So like the big thing is team films 
and you know crossovers and stuff and you could even see that with like you know black panther and iron man being in captain america 3 which is not an avengers movie but they're basically treating it like an avengers movie now because that's hot dc's like boom 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 like as soon as this team thing's over their their universe is just as populated as marvel's is even though they didn't have all these films so they they don't have a lower gross but if they manage to keep even moderate successes, they'll be much more competitive down the line when Marvel's trying to reinvent itself uh, with uh, the next phase or whatever that is. Because, well, so with with um, with Warner Brothers, we've got Batman v Superman, and then it's Suicide Squad, and then it's just, and then it's Wonder Woman, and then it's Justice League, um, and then it's the Flash. So you're right that there are two Avengers esque team movies in Suicide Squad and Justice League before we get to the Aquaman film and the Flash film and that sort of stuff, right? Or am I missing something? Yeah, but yes. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if you see Aquaman move up. Yeah, because I've been hearing we've been hearing a lot of news about Aquaman, but it's yes. it's it's pitched at the you know for july 2018 so I, I agree with you that i would not be surprised to see it pop up earlier so i mean if, if i go off into wild speculation land it, attention red hood people uh- <laughs> um i would say you give michelle mclaren more time to make a wonder woman that's gonna stick you gotta stick that landing especially you know without a batman or a superman to hold that up and it's I, I would I would throw it in. I would throw I would switch Aquaman and Wonder Woman if I were them. Mm, but I don't know because I mean I, that's probably wise. That's probably a wise thing. And then you know I'm going to state the obvious here that Dave is not being sexist about like either Michelle McLaren or a female led movie at all. But just saying that it is important that a female led movie land very strong because there is a stigma around female led superhero movies. So. Um, just to get that intention out there but when we talked about it when michelle mclaren signed on i said that they had had been greenlit off a treatment i've since learned from michelle mclaren interviews that that is not true all they they as far as she's concerned that's even a, a like a soft release date so i would totally give her the benefit of the doubt of more time and sort of switch around and bring something crazy like aquaman in between Guardians of the Galaxy 2 and Thor Ragnarok, which are also going to be crazy. It would totally fit in just but, that year of craziness. But what's interesting is um, there's that whole question of of the um, – it's a stupid question of, – of the female-led movie arms race of, like, who's going to do it first, right? Are we going to get Captain Marvel, which is, you know, if they if they switch Wonder Woman and, and Aquaman, then they're coming in slightly after Captain Marvel. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas I think it was weirdly a feather in their cap that they were going to get to Wonder Woman before Marvel bothered to get to Captain Marvel. So Someone's brought up um, that we don't know who Captain Marvel is yet, which puts any sort of appearance she might have upcoming in the MCU more in jeopardy than we've all been speculating. Like maybe her character has been subbed out for another character they want to do more with. Uh, so I, I wouldn't be too sure about where Captain Marvel falls either at this point. Okay. I want to hear more about that in the advanced section. So we, is there anything else we want to say in the unadvanced section? 
No, I think that's good. It's a good okay. teaser. Okay, so stick around because we want to talk about that Captain Marvel little juicy gem that Dave just dropped and also uh, uh, Warner Brothers insane news that came up today. Um, so if you are leaving us now, though, please do send your emails to bulbyyourthoughts at gmail.com. You can find all of our episodes at fightingthewarroom slash comics. Dave, where can people find your work on the internet? Uh, you can find me at latino-review.com or forbes.com. I'm Joanna Robinson. You can find me most days on vanityfair.com. You can follow me over on Twitter at Joe Wrote This. So we will have a little musical interlude and then advance section. If you're listening to this part, you're you're ready for all manner of spoilers. Dave, like we are taking the gag off of Dave, and he is allowed to say whatever he wants, uh, even who the father of Jessica Jones' baby is. It's Luke Cage. Uh, uh, obviously, I think right. I, I might have said that in other general <laughs> questions. I just it didn't occur to me that that was going to be a spoiler until the whole Purple Man thing came about. So. Um, I don't think you – no, I mean, I think you've said that Luke Cage is a love interest, and I'm not sure that you said he's a father of a baby. So, I mean, one follows the other, maybe. But anyway, okay. So let's get back to this Captain Marvel well, thing. Well, I mean, you know who the other potential father or baby is? Uh, Paul Rudd. Ant-Man. Yeah, it's Scott Lang and Luke Cage. They're both doing her at the same time, and it ends up being Luke Cage's. Okay. So, like, hey, I don't know what Paul Rudd's doing now that, you know, Parks and Rec is ending and he's Ant-Man, but maybe Netflix. <laughs> now that Parks and Rec is ending. Well, he is doing Netflix, right? He's doing Wet Hot American Summer, so he'll be in the neighborhood. Hey, um, yeah, he'll, he'll attend the Netflix <laughs> holiday party for two reasons. Um, that's, that's what someone was wondering on Twitter as well. It, someone asked me, and I didn't know why, if I thought Paul Rudd was going to show up uh, on AKA Jessica Jones. Now we have better reason because, because the announcement of David Tennant m- means you know which Jessica Jones plot they're doing, right? Is that right? So, like, um, Purple Man and Jessica Jones have a history where basically Purple Man kept Jessica Jones as Jewel captive for eight months mm-hmm. under his crazy mind control pheromone spell. Like you and do. That's, that's what made her stop being a superhero. So okay. if we're going to retcon with Kristen Ritter and we're picking up and she's already a private detective, they're probably going to close out uh, this season with the origin slash her facing her greatest fear, Purple Man. Purple but at that Man. point, she's already pregnant. Okay. But it's like, it's sort of a, uh, she, she ends up hiding out with uh, Scott Lang ultimately because she's just publicly connected to everybody else. Uh, but her affair with Scott Lang sort of on the DL and P- Purple Man won't look for her there. Do you think they're waiting to, if 
Paul Rudd were to show up on AKA Jessica Jones, do you think they're waiting to see how a man does before they do that? Or do you think it's just a given? I mean, even if Ant-Man does bad, he could show up on a Netflix show. Are you kidding? <laughs> well, it's just interesting to me that they haven't announced it because I think a lot of people are treating the Netflix shows like they're some sort of, you know, B-list, like budget comic book story, which to a certain... I mean, but you've got Rosario Dawson. I mean, like, you know, you've got some good names in there. But Daredevil's <laughs> still the best cast Marvel thing yet. But if you throw in Paul Rudd, I think you're just going to interest a lot of people and connect it to the larger MCU in a way that that I think people are not seeing the Defender series as, as all that connected. I think it's going to... I think they want Daredevil to succeed on its own steam. But then mm. again, I'm almost positive there's like two to three giant surprises in Daredevil that connect it because you don't come out of the gate with a new branch to your interconnected universe and trumpet it without something. Without Kobe Smulders. Uh, that, that's right. <laughs> well, I mean, something like that. Yeah, something like that's going to show up, which is interesting because, like, once you get to Jessica Jones, she, like, it's actually kind of part of the joke. She got, like, retconned into a whole bunch of stuff. She got retconned into a whole bunch of stuff. She got, she had a crush on Peter Parker and was about to talk to him when he was bitten by a spider. Like, yeah. They could do, like, go balls to the wall and introduce Spider Man, aka Jessica Jones. They won't, because it's like that deal's too fresh. But, like, all I'm saying is that there's, there's the potential to have a lot of surprises. Uh, but I don't think they will. I think they're going to focus on making them these character groups. All right, let's get back to this Captain Marvel bomb. Yeah. That you just tried to drop on me. Yeah. What are you talking about? So I think Schmoes No reported um, that they've been hearing a lot that Mantis is going to be the female. So Joss Whedon basically said that there's going to be X amount of female heroes and people counted. And they're like, well, that that's one we haven't heard of. Uh, you know, but that was Black a Widow red carpet interview. That was like an off the cuff red carpet interview. Correct, but people have used it in the past. Uh, I know, to, I know. Resubstantiate rumors that Captain Marvel is going to show up because we think we're fairly sure that at the end of uh, Age of Ultron, you're going to see Captain America assemble a new team of new Avengers that are going to involve some people. Uh, this Schmoes knows. Uh, report uh, brings up uh, Mantis because she's tertially uh, 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 met the Guardians of the Galaxy and has been an adventure and could be a connecting thread to that and that we don't know who Captain Marvel is yet and you think that that casting if things things were supposed to shoot in January and January is almost out so chances are these Avengers pickups have happened and we it's either a really well kept secret or there is no Captain Marvel cast which would sort of X her out of this place that everybody expected her to see her in. But I think that's crazy that they would make the announcement. When was it? Like November, October, mm-hmm. that they had that big like Marvel press conference. Mm-hmm. So, th- so October, I think October they make they announce Captain Marvel and everyone loses their mind that Captain Marvel's coming. And then what changes between now and then and now? It's that female-led movie arms race you were talking about. It's the same reason I think Wonder Woman is doesn't have a solid date. Is like there's a difference between announcing you're going to have the first and then delivering a movie that isn't Halle Berry's Catwoman. Like that, you can't do that again. 
people know that right I understand it's, it's not even it's not even a sexism thing it's like people know that these valuable female properties are out there just waiting to be picked up and nobody's executing them well that is a sexist thing um i mean it's not primarily a sexist it's not like i think it female- is primarily a sexist thing I'm not saying that, like, Marvel is inherently sexist. I'm saying that they're operating in a system Mm -hmm. that makes them feel like it's not lucrative to pursue those stories. And that system is sexist. I think that they're a step beyond thinking about it from that. Where they're, like, that might have been the case five years ago, but now it's the first one of these done well is going to be huge. Like, they've heard people calling for it and, you know, noticing that right. this sort of thing doesn't happen. So, But you can't trip on those movies. That's ten times worse than failing on an Ant-Man. Because then you kick up the whole thing. It's like, well, if Wonder Woman can't work in your universe, then, you know, maybe these things don't work. You kick that all up again that I don't think anybody believes is true anymore. No, but I, I agree with you. And it's not just Halle Berry's Catwoman. It's Elektra. It's like they have a whole host of movies that they can pull up that didn't do well, that, that underperformed and didn't land with an audience to justify not casting a female lead in, in these properties. But But I'm just so curious why you think that that means that they would push it back so far or or scuttle a character like what why would they scuttle a character like Cap- Captain Marvel they can't think of a good way to use her so they're going with Mantis instead who's a much less known character isn't that right yeah definitely and maybe it's just that Captain Marvel doesn't need to be introduced until her movie for whatever grand plan that they have but I think that I mean, I agree with you that it's weird that we haven't heard Captain Marvel casting news. And in my heart of hearts, I'm hoping that it's some kind of well-kept secret because I love to believe in magic. Uh, it's not going to be kept a secret, though, like because as soon as, a, you know, there's a press screening of the movie or whatever, then the secret will be out. But wouldn't it well, be so cool? Well, they filmed the tag to the last Avengers movie after it had already premiered. So it's like it's very possible there's a Captain Marvel and she will be cast like at the Avengers premiere, and nobody will talk about it. Wouldn't it be so cool if you were able to go into a theater, sit down, and be surprised by who Captain Marvel is? I would much rather that than hear about it on Twitter. I would much rather sit down in the theater in the theater and be in a like looking up at a big screen and be like oh, Emily Blunt or what the fuck ever, you know? Yeah, that's great, but then stay off Twitter for ever. ever. I know. So like that's that's, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. I'm saying in my heart of hearts is what I hope. It's completely well, but that's why I get you know. excited about the Red Hood and stuff because I just use the excitement the second I have it, and then I don't feel like I'm missing out on any excitement. I actually get like six times the excitement that everybody gets for one reveal in a movie. My my life's just better than everybody uh, waits. All right, let's talk about another potentially amazing. Uh, <laughs> Reveal, and this would be a new story that Dave and I were were looking at, which is um, a rumor that Michael Shannon is actually going to be in Batman v Superman: Dawn of Justice, uh, and that he is the he is okay. So Zod obviously died at the end of Man of Steel. This is this is a big plot point. The theory is that Lex Luthor will reanimate the corpse of Zod and use him to. Uh, something something doomsday that Dave gets to fill in that the verbs become there doomsday. become doomsday 
and that Michael Shannon then will do a mocap uh, to play Doomsday in Batman v Superman. So, Dave, do you want to tell us who Doomsday is, whether or not this is possible? What Should we be excited? Should we be afraid? What should we feel? Doomsday is the Kryptonian rock monster that beat Superman to death in the early 90s. Uh, since then has become a very popular Superman character, despite the fact he's not very interesting. He is just like a thing with spikes instead of being rounded off like the thing is. Uh, That sounds like I'm really into Marvel more than I'm into DC. Uh, Doomsday's done some cool stuff. Uh, He's... (laughs) You're letting your rock monster buy a show. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, really, we just should have had the rock fight in Star Trek V, The Final Frontier, and uh, we would have all been okay. But What about the rock monsters from Noah? Uh, Okay. But see, that has like a biblical basis that I'm not okay with. As somebody who likes continuity, the idea of angels that got like weird dried magma on their wings and had to stick around i don't buy but you know that's what, neither here nor there what about the rock biter from the never ending story Ooh, i like uh because like i don't know stop motion rocks i'm for uh-huh. and olmec from legends of the hidden temple okay <laughs> all right go on we could do it like we should do a bible comics like dave has trouble with the bible through comics <laughs> um <clears throat> anyway, Doomsday. Uh, the reason I wanted to put this in the advanced section is Doomsday's definitely in Batman vs. Superman Dawn of Justice. He's the guy that they're all going to fight at the end that the proto-Justice League gets to come together to like work against. And uh, yeah, being a Kryptonian rock monster and the fact that most of Krypton blew up except for the Codex, which is in Superman's blood, which everyone seems to be forgetting about, which I think is the reason Michael Shannon isn't going to be in the movie. Um, would suggest that they need something Kryptonian to base Doomsday off of. Uh, the thing is, though, you don't bring Michael Shannon in to mocap a monster that is going to be defeated by in the movie. So I agree. I, I agree. I don't know. I don't know how much. Uh, it's the mocap thing that makes that. I completely agree. We're like it, unbelievable. Yeah, we're it. Okay, they're going to reanimate the corpse of Michael Shannon, and Michael Shannon's going to do some sort of like voice, uh, just a voice, or like Egger from uh, Men in Black sort of thing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know that that I could see him pulling off. But yeah, I agree with you. You do it would, not. It would more be um, Hicks in Alien Three sort of thing. <laughs> okay. But you do not hire Michael Shannon to ponce around in a Bishop and Alien Three sort of thing. Wait, someone would have pissed that Bishop and Alien Three. Yeah, you saved it. You saved it. Thank you. Um, so I agree with you. It's the mocap that makes it unbelievable to me. Yeah, but I mean, and the source, honestly, it's going to be interesting to see what they come up with for Doomsday. I bet it has consequences, Lex Luthor, and no, 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 no. Could it be the reanimated corpse of, like, one of the other Kryptonians on the first movie? Like, the lady Kryptonian? uh, You mean, what's in the empty pod from Man of Steel? Is it Supergirl? We'll never know. Um, (laughs) I don't know. Is the sci-fi Krypton series going to retcon all of this? I don't know. Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice is just as chock full of stuff as Civil War. I'm really interested to see how they pull it all off. Because having Batman fight Superman in the same movie that Doomsday forms the Justice League, it just in a sentence sounds like too much for a movie. And I haven't seen that much plot handled by Zack Snyder since Watchmen. And we all know how that turned out, which was pretty, but not a good movie. 
pretty ugly. No, I mean, it was pretty. And then plot-wise ugly. All right. Well, it was a nice adaptation of a comic as a visual medium. That opening sequence, great. Downhill from there, in my opinion. Um, For my DC brethren, I will argue that... (laughs) The reinterpretation of the ending outside of Giant Squid Monster makes a lot more sense for a film. But as a film fan, that might be the only thing that they changed to make better for a film. And they really should have changed all of it to make better for a film. We talked about this. We did. Okay. Um, all right. Is there anything else we want to talk about? No. No, I think we'll... Oh, wait, wait. What do you think about Arrow? We disagreed on the last episode of Arrow, which is now last week's episode of Arrow since there's been a new episode of Arrow and probably by this time. No, it's going to come out tomorrow morning, right? All right. Yeah. So Arrow. Arrow. Oh, well, so I liked it. Um, I hate Laurel. And so I hate the Black Canary plot. But that was like the tag of the episode. So I think I'm going to hate this week's a lot more than uh, I felt about is last week. Canaries? The one where she realizes she's bad and hallucinates her sister. Oh, I don't know. Oh, yeah. They have some stuff planned for uh, Laurel's character that I think is going to deal head on with what you're talking about in the sense that no one likes what Laurel's doing. No one likes Laurel at all. No. They're like, what are you doing? We're like (laughs) dudes that can do the salmon ladder. What the hell is this? You put on a wig and some tight pants. It's not the yeah. same. Do the salmon ladder <laughs> and then we'll respect you. And then get back to me. Or be Thea. I love every single fight scene with John Barrowman and Thea or training sequence, if you will. Man, um, uh, they're going to merge that with the moment that she discovers Oliver's arrow. And that's going to be the same moment. And it's going to be great. I hope they're both. It's like you, they're in the rain because nature's crying for them both. <laughs> Oh, when she finds out that she k- killed, uh, what's her name? Oh, I think it's going to all be it. I think yeah. it's like Malcolm's going to slowly turn her against Arrow. Malcolm's going to reveal he's been training her to fight Arrow. Malcolm's going to make her fight Arrow. Oliver's going to take off his mask, fucking fight to crazy score if WB knows what's good for them. Uh, so that's going to be the finale, you think? Thea versus the Arrow? Oh, I mean, I think it probably not because it doesn't tie into the flashback story. But uh, when that happens, I'm going to be overjoyed. Yeah. But I mean, Brick is awesome. He's a comic book character that they adapted in a way that, like, way to do invulnerable power is in a realistic setting where just like no one could shoot him directly in the head. That was that was great. Yeah, and I really liked. Um, you know me. I'm constantly chasing new Buffy, and so the opening where, um. Speedy and Diggle are trying to do what Oliver does uh, and kind of succeeding is reminiscent of so many Buffy episodes where the Scoobies like Buffy's dead again and the Scoobies have to like go slaying for her. Um, yeah. So I, I really like that. I don't like what they're doing with Felicity. Um, yeah, no, that's horrible. It's that was all, the most intolerable. Thing. Yeah. It's really, really, really bad. But I Especially, think especially like the same week out of TCA, they're like, Adam's probably going to have his own series. Yeah. You yeah. have a character that's like, don't do this. And I'm like, why am I watching this <laughs> bullshit? Yeah, I agree. I agree. So the Felicity stuff was bullshit, but, uh i have to wonder if they are making her so awful and weak in order to make us go easier on laurel i don't know i have no idea what's going on there so uh, i we'll think that felicity might end up being the colson of dc comics like she, oh she well, goes like pops up. 
like becomes in comic canon universe. Huh. Maybe. Crazy person that flits in between these characters and has a relationship with budding superheroes. I could, uh, I, I, this character transfers over in ways that are just like crazy. The one that has the quips and that also could be emotionally connected to people for no apparent reason. You think that- I love you, Captain America. <laughs> that started the whole Avengers. I have trading cards. That's what started the whole. Um, so, what I was going to say. Do you think that Felicity is going to go, like, to the Adam show? I mean, I think she'll help start that show, but they're going to keep her on Arrow, right? Oh, yeah. I think she'll help start Adam, and I yeah. think she'll help start Vixen. I think they accidentally slotted her into something huh. uh, by leaning on her in season two and for Flash. Uh, but, I mean, it'll work as long as they write her better. Yeah, this week was bad. I'm not. I'm not against so that's having my a take character that Arrow. passes that off and having that be the Q character because I think that eventually they're going to have to get out of the Scooby's form as directly. Like you can't have like one tech guy, right? At some point, and so right. I think having Felicity being able to pass off between the various tech people and sort of rank them on a ladder in this interconnected universe will be very beneficial when you get to stuff like Adam, where he seems fine with tech on his own. So, like, why is she even there? One microchip? Give me a break. <laughs> awesome. All right. Are we good? Yeah. We are good. Um all right. Well, thanks, everyone, for joining us. You know where to find us. We've already said. So we will see you next week. Yes, it's Superman, strange visitor from the planet Krypton, who came to Earth with amazing physical powers far beyond those of mortal men. Superman receives startling news from Robin, the young companion of the famous Batman. Batman is gone, Mr. Kent. Gone? What do you mean, Robin? I mean he's gone, and, and I'm... I'm afraid we'll never see him again. Kent found young Grayson greatly agitated. Just as Kent closed the door behind him, the youngster, choking back tears, exclaimed, Batman's gone, Mr. Kent, and gosh, what, what'll I do, Mr. Kent? What'll I do? First thing you must do, Dick, is pull yourself together and tell me exactly what happened. I can't. I'm so worried I can't even think. Nonsense, you've got to. Now, come on, son. What did you mean when you said Batman was gone and we'd never see him again? Well, I... I mean, he's gone forever. Forever? not dead, is he? I, I'm afraid he is. Did he give you any idea of why he was going away? None at all. He just told me that something very important had come Something he just couldn't tell me about. It's odd. And then he said if he wasn't back inside of a week, he, he might never Who is the mysterious and threatening Mr. Jones who has somehow discovered the secret of Batman's double identity? The secret Batman cherishes as much as Clark Kent guards his own identity as Superman. And what has happened to Batman? Tomorrow, Kent and Robin receive an even greater shock. So don't fail to listen, fellows and girls. Be sure to tune in, same time, same station, for Chapter 2 of Batman's Great Mystery on The Adventures of Superman.